Today, I will be preaching on Romans 6. And the title of my sermon is, Will You Take Your Sins Seriously? Will you please stand with me as we read God's word? Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we, also, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, <clears throat> for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things 
that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We just read the holy word of God. Please be seated. We are going through the book of Romans to be equipped for the missionary life in King County. And Paul is writing to the Romans to equip them for the missionary life in Rome. If you consider yourself a Christian, then you instantly became a missionary the moment Christ saved you. There is no other way around it. Whether you are in school or an adult, if you are a Christian, you have received the job title of missionary. In Romans 1, we learn that God's fingerprints are revealed all through our creation so that all of humanity has no excuse to not believe in Jesus Christ. Every human being made in God's image knows deep down that God exists. Paul essentially says that, that all of humanity has kind of like a built-in microchip in each of our hearts. Do you really believe God would bring you into the world to achieve your own ambitions? Christianity in America has become so diluted to really be what my old mentor used to tell me, or used to say all the time, a Burger King kind of Christianity. Have it your way. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of sin, mostly secret, and a little bit of personal goals that have nothing to do with God and the missionary life. This is the perfect Christian formula for American success, isn't it? In Romans 2, we learn that the law of God is written on every human heart. The only reason why you have a sense of morality, knowing right from wrong, is because God exists and he made you. This is the only logical reason for why you have a sense of morality. Humans are made to know Jesus. And so if you have a God chip in your heart, and if the law is written on your hearts, humans can never escape the presence of God. He is ubiquitous. He is everywhere. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk says that, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. The earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. In Romans 3 and 4, we learn that the only reason why you follow Jesus Christ is because God woke you up from being a dead person to a resurrected person. How can a spiritually dead person choose God on his own? There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Because all of your good works, according to the prophet Isaiah, are like filthy rags in God's eyes until he suits you up with Jesus' outfit of glory. 
We also learned in Romans 3 and 4 that the eternal salvation of God applies to all believers of all time, from the time of Abraham to the person who will believe in Jesus today. The good news of Jesus is a timeless reality. In Romans 5, we learn that Jesus' death and resurrection was so powerful that it not only saves you from death at first, and eternal punishment, but also preserves you during hard times in life. And in Romans 6 today, we will see that the Christian is free from sin, free to not sin, and free to love God completely. Don't let sin control you anymore because Jesus died to set you free. And so Romans 6 is explaining, is Paul explaining the science of salvation. So today is science class at SOMA. And I'm not going to tell you what my grades were in science class in, high, in school. Then I'd have to step off the stage. I don't know if you're anything like me in this way, but I have struggled with workaholism since the day I stepped into the workforce. But that's not a problem here on the east side, right? Workaholism, not an issue. My ability to easily put in 15-hour days made me feel super important and valuable to my family. I imagine that Lindsay was really impressed to, to see her hubby working so hard for the family until I ended up in counseling. It was apparent that I was a slave to my work and it was destroying my, fa my family. As a child, I grew up in an environment where the value instilled in me was man shall not live by bread alone, but by every dollar that comes out of my paycheck and my investments. Money, 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 money. Money. You, you didn't know I had that in me, did you? Hey, hey you can't be talking about that. Don't. But that is a sin I have to regularly put to death today, every day. And that is, I want you, Soma, I want you to know me as a hard worker. And if I am not, then I have failed in life. I can easily become a slave to the lie that my identity and value comes from my performance. What lies or sins control you today? Romans 6 says that there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who are slaves to sin and those who are slaves to God. Everyone is held captive by whatever they love the most. What do you love most in life? According to Romans 6, that is what controls you. In the first 11 verses, Paul teaches us about the science of being slaves to sin and coming alive to God. Because through his death and resurrection, resurrection, Jesus dislodged the stranglehold sin has on creation. And in verses 12 to 23, Paul tells us how this should look in our lives practically. We are alive to God and we are to become alive in God. We are to become 
already, we are, we are to become what we already are. So we're going to see today that we are to be free from sin and to obey God because we are free. Be free from sin and obey God because you are free. And you can be free from sin by giving your life to Jesus. Paul says that Christians are completely alive because Jesus died, rose from the dead, and crushed the power of sin that had previously enslaved them. And at the same time, Jesus replaced the power of sin that has a stranglehold on sinners with the power of his spirit that now has made them alive. Has God made you alive? Have you surrendered your life to God so he can make you alive because of what Jesus has done for you? Paul in this chapter, he begins by refuting the argument that our salvation is merely hell insurance. The death of God and his resurrection was not just to give you a get out of hell free card. This insane reality that God became a man and died for your sin and my sin to regenerate our hearts back to him was not merely to keep us from ending up in hell. No, that's, that is the watered-down version of salvation. Not only does he save us from hell, but he also shows us his powerful grace when our love for our sins go down and our love and devotion to go, for God go up. You know you are growing as a follower of Jesus when the sins you used to enjoy, just not fun anymore. They just don't taste the same like they used to. Be free from sin by giving your life to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus and ask him to regenerate your heart. Do not let sin control you any longer. God's wonderful grace keeps Christians from sinning because sin no longer has control over them. God's grace is not given so that we can keep on sinning. His grace was given so that we can stop sinning. Why would you ever want to go back to your old life anyway? Does anyone miss their old life? Anybody? Good answer. I don't. I don't miss being a slave to needing my satisfaction to come from a girl telling me that she loves me. I don't miss being a slave to needing my dad to finally tell me that he loves me or for my cousins to finally accept me into their group. I don't miss that. I don't miss being a slave to porn and thinking that I will find love and fulfillment in sex. I am eternally grateful that my joy and satisfaction is in the God who made me in his image and loves me more than anyone ever could. What are you a slave of? You are a slave to whatever you love most. If I were to guess what average Eastside residents love most, it would be that they love themselves as their own gods 
in their own kingdoms, their wealth and their reputation. And so begins this performance race where no one can really know who you are. What if it was okay for you to be known as broken and sinful? Someone who makes mistakes. And yet God says to you, you're worthy. I love you. Be part of my family. Will you stop performing and just relax? You're sitting in the presence of sinners. We are sinners in this room. Do you agree? Because you can bring all of your dirt, all of your shame, all of your flaws, all of your sins, and throw them on the cross that Jesus died on because that is what he died for. When you sin, you will no longer be defined by your sin because Jesus has replaced your title of sinner with honored missionary. I invite you to become a slave of Jesus Christ and become a sold-out missionary for him on the east side. The second point Paul makes in this chapter in verses 12 to 23 is to obey God because you are free. When we were slaves to sin, we used to give our whole body or our whole lives to our own pleasures. But if you are a Christian, as slaves to God, we give our whole body or our whole lives to God's purposes. This is not optional. Sure, you can be a Christian and try to do what you want with your life, what you want with your life, but your, your body does not belong to you anymore. You can't Burger King your life like you used to because Jesus owns you now. You are God's property. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Paul says this in another letter because he, when he wrote, saying, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. If you are a property of sin or whatever you love the most, then you will move heaven and earth to indulge your desire. And it will continue to poison you and damage you increasingly until you increasingly become a sick and self-absorbed human being. But if you embrace the truth that you are owned by your heavenly Father who allowed his Son to get wrecked on a cross to regenerate your heart by replacing your stony heart with a pure heart, then you will move heaven and earth to please him. And he will restore you and heal you and make you into a more complete human being. You see, the, the good news of Jesus is the cure to the problem of evil in the world. The good news of Jesus is that since we are no longer slaves to earthly things or earthly desires, we can be more like Jesus Christ 
the only complete human being who ever lived. The good news of Jesus, that he entered the world on a rescue mission to give you hope and meaning in a world where life often feels more hopeless and meaningless, is the cure you have been searching for. How does being God's property change your life and the choices you make throughout the week? The highest aim in life is not to find instant gratification because the sexual experience was like ecstasy or getting drunk can momentarily fix your problems. Your highest aim in life as a slave to God is to do everything in your life to make Jesus your greatest treasure on earth. Your career, your career pursuit is to make him famous. You, you pursue a marriage relationship to make him famous. You choose a college to make him famous. You choose the home you live in to make him famous. You make your life an open book to the world to make him famous. Imagine how freeing your life would be if God set you free from being a slave to sin to giving your entire self to God. How could you not give yourself entirely to God? What are you afraid of? The 19th century British preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, to risk all with Jesus is to end all risk. The new reality Christians live under is that sin technically has no power over us because Jesus was slaughtered on a cross and rose from the dead to sign and seal the contract of your salvation with his blood. We can rest in the reality that sin has no power over us, but we also will need to demonstrate that it has no power over us. Sin technically has no power over you. But sin may still have power over you. Is there any hint of sin in your life that you'd like to just keep around, just cuddle? I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't like to cuddle personally. Why are you keeping it around? Are you one foot in and one foot out in your commitment to Jesus? Have you rationalized yourself into believing your sin is okay? And this is the worst place to be as a Christian. Ha have you lost your sensitivity towards sin? Has your sin become normalized? Family, God is calling us to take our sins seriously. We would be wise to listen to King David from the Old Testament when he prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In verse 19 of Romans 6, Paul explains that the more we sin, the deeper we fall into it. Sinning without repentance is the gateway drug for more sins. 
But sinning followed with repentance is having true remorse that not only did you just screw up, but that you also broke God's heart. How have you allowed your sin to control you? For me, it is to control my perception. I want to be liked and loved by all of you. So I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make sure that my image is kept up. And in contrast, Paul says that when you become God's property and try to live a life of obedience to him, he makes you more and more holy. But the more you grow in living a life of obedience to God, the more you realize how sinful you are. That is why Paul, who is arguably the greatest missionary to ever live, told his disciple Timothy that he was the chief of sinners. Paul wasn't trying to say that he committed the most sins of all time. He wasn't keeping score of his sin, his sin record. Or even the, talking about committing the most egregious sins. Paul was trying to say that even at his level of spiritual maturity, he realizes how evil and corrupt he really was and how powerful God's grace is in his life. That if God can save him, he can save anyone. He can save you. Because Christians are sinners in recovery. Can you say that with me? Christians are sinners in recovery. And that is why the good news of Jesus is the best news ever. Would you be willing to admit that? That you are the chief of sinners? Would you be able to talk, tell the person next to you, I think I am the chief of sinners? You don't have to do it. Or do you think that there is some goodness in you apart from Christ? If you are able to recognize your sinful state, then only would you begin to have a clearer understanding of the radical grace of God in your life and be humbled by it. Then only will you be able to see how only Jesus can save your soul and redeem your whole life as you live for him as God's property. Will you take your sins seriously? End your sinning or it will end you. Do you realize your potential as a follower of Jesus? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Will you be free from sin? Will you, will you obey God because you are free? First, I, I want to invite you to repent. You broke God's heart because of your sin and it cost God his life so you can be free from sin. True repentance is when you are heading in one direction and in which you are loving your sin and then you turn to the other direction and you say, I am sorry, God, for breaking your heart after all you have done for me and I am done with that sin because nothing compares to the joy of obeying you as my God. In his book, Forgive, Tim Keller says this about true repentance. Here is the language of a repentant heart. Yes, Lord, I am in sorrow because of the consequences of my sin. But they have only awakened me 
to the wrongness of what I have done, how it has wronged others, and especially you, my creator, provider, and redeemer. Repentance is changing your mind and your heart about loving your sin and deciding to hate your sin. It's a choice. It's a decision you have to make. Again, Keller writes, self-pity looks like repentance. Oh, poor me. But it is actually self-absorption. And that is the essence of sin. Only if you see that you haven't just broken God's law, but you have broken his heart, that you have dishonored and grieved him, will you begin to change. Second, I invite you to expose your sin and repent in community. You can do that here with your family in this room today. Or after the service, come talk to me. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. How badly do you want to obey God? James, the brother of Jesus, says in his letter, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Confess your sins in community so that you can experience healing. Want to close the loop on your sin? Expose your sin so that God's people hold you accountable to never look back and return to it. Do you really believe Soma? We say this all the time now. Do you really believe Soma is a hospital to help each other heal? Then tell someone about your sins. I didn't stop looking at porn permanently until Lindsay caught me. And then I had to tell my mentors and my friends. It was painful. But it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I'm eternally grateful for that. I am porn free today because of it. Do you know how amazing the gift of repentance is? I don't think there's anything more transformative in life than repenting. It's like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders. It's like being outside on a hot summer day. Uh, Seattle summers aren't that hot, but maybe uh, Texas heat. It's a hot summer day in Texas, and you have no access to water. And then at the end of the day, you finally get home and you drink a cold glass of chilled water. That is what repentance is like. Repentance for the Christian is a beautiful lifestyle where we acknowledge our sins and turn to God in humility for forgiveness and refreshment. I repent daily over my many sins. I invite you to join me in becoming better repenters. And repentance for the non-Christian is to meet Jesus for the first time and become a sinner in recovery until you see the Savior face to face. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, says this about repentance. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Will you give your life to Jesus today by repenting for the first time and be set free 
For you, brothers and sisters in Christ who love Jesus, will you take your sins seriously and repent over them because you are free? What is the Spirit saying to you today? I'm going to invite the band, the band, I'm going to invite Colin to come up. (laughs) I'm going to pray over us. This is a bit of a scary thing I'm about to do. I'm going to invite you to, in a few words, tell me what the Spirit is telling you today. Tell, not tell me. Together we're going to pray and seek God right now. And I want to invite you to tell our Father what the Spirit is telling you today. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you sent your Son your only son to the world, to die for our sin so that we can be part of your family, so that we can be set free, so that we can be sinners in recovery until we see you face to face where you will wipe away every tear from our eye, where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more trauma, no more betrayal, no more rejection, no more hate, no more violence, We long for that day, Father. And yet you call us here now to be your missionaries on the east side in King County and to be your ambassadors, to be your mouthpieces who seek Jesus together and inhabit our community with your saving power and presence. Lord, help us to repent of our sin. Would you search our hearts and tell us, point us to anything that is not pleasing to you Would you turn away our eyes from worthless things and revive us in your ways? Father, would you speak to us today? Would you hear our prayer now as we share, Lord? Family, what is the Spirit saying to you today?